You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Mark Quinones, is a master percussionist who has played with an incredible array of musical acts, including Spyro Gyra, Mark Anthony, the Allman Brothers, and most recently, the Doobie Brothers. We will talk about Mark's start in percussion, growing up in the Bronx with weekly jam sessions with family and friends, his musical journey, and what he is up to now. So come along with me as I catch up with Mark Quinones. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Sarah, thank you for having me. We haven't seen each other in quite some time, but it has it's been really a, good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. It's been a very, very long time. We usually do not go this long without seeing each other. So right. it's it's been a while. But speaking of the time that it's been, how has everything been for you through the pandemic? Um, it's been pretty good. You know, I... Um, Luckily, I've taken up the sport of golf, which was able to occupy my time when, when I wasn't playing any music here in Florida. You know, yeah. I live in Florida now, which, which was another somewhat blessing to, you know, state to be in during the pandemic where I could get out and play golf while people were confined to their houses in places like New York and Massachusetts and, you know, mm-hmm. where it's a little colder in the wintertime. Right. So, you know, it was pretty good. You know, I, I don't have any complaints. That is, I'm glad you could play golf. Speaking of golf, I was going to bring this up at some point, but now is a good time too. We're going to talk tons about percussion and music and all that stuff. But one of the best memories that I have with you is golfing together. Oh, that's right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You know, I completely forgot about this. Wow. <laughs> We had so much fun, even though I am not proficient at at golf and you are, but you were a fantastic instructor. You helped, you helped me along. We we were in the Zildjian golf tournament together and I actually have a, I have a uh, trophy. I should have, I should have gotten my trophy out. See, you should have, you should have forewarned me. I would have gotten my trophy out for this thing so we could compare trophies. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fun times. You know, we were a team, so I had to help you, you know, along. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was best ball. So I think we right. we maybe we used my ball once, I think. But I think we used we we mostly used your ball. We mostly found my balls like around <laughs> on the court. Well, you so. know, when, when you're only hitting at 50 yards and it's not that difficult to find. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know what? Just but, but but I was really good at. um chipping onto the green and putting. I do remember that. I did contribute in that and look, we walked away with We walked away with a trophy, which means that, we did. you know, we, we did got pretty a trophy. good. So yeah, there we so. go. But, but this I'm, was not, I... this was not, this was not a, a, one of these, you know, everybody gets a trophy for, for a job well done. No. You have to earn the trophy. You earned, we earned, this trophy, this, this trophy was earned. It was well earned. I'm just, I'm holding it up for anyone listening at home. It's a, it's a, um, you know, night, beautiful, I think we, it was third place that we got. And I, I, I played in two of them and I have one of the other trophies that was uh, a symbol in sticks. Yes. Yes. And I think you won first place that year, didn't you? I think so. Well, I was not on your team. That could be why. But that's... <laughs> 
how you know i don't i don't know what it was maybe i played a little better that year you know it wasn't you know, your fault it's very that's very graceful of you yes but it was but we had a, an absolute blast i have to just say it was so much fun i really enjoy golf and um i'm not a terrible golfer i just really you know don't have i i do not live in florida <laughs> you don't have the time to play you have a family have you have a job you know exactly. you have a husband kids you know it's you but know. you know maybe maybe in my retirement years i'll have to take Take some Mark Quinones lessons and get back to, oh, I to golf. I don't know about that. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I I can only fix my own game. I can't fix anybody else's. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so that's good. But but also also besides golfing, you have been you've had a bunch of gigs, which is amazing. Like I've been following you on on Instagram, and it just it feels like you know obviously you're not out on tour and all the dates that you normally would do in a normal year normal air quotes year but um but it has been really good to see you out there playing here and there you just did the latin grammys i did but you know in 2020 and like at the height of the pandemic there really was no music to be had right so i spend a lot of time you know um playing golf i did do some production work you know because here in florida i work with tony sukar mm -hmm. and so he has a he has a studio at his family's house which we were able to confine ourselves in the studio and not, you know, worry about, you know, being exposed to anybody else. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really like before that we had done a rec, we, we were doing a lot of sessions where we could have people in the studio. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, towards the winter months of, of 2020, we started doing, you know, trying to open up sessions a little more and we were exposed to COVID. I got COVID in October of 2020 as a result of it. Oh, and then man. Tony got it as well. So, I mean, you know, um, luckily, you know, it didn't, it didn't really hit me hard. It didn't really affect me except my sense of taste and smell. And everybody says that I didn't have any taste to begin with. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it didn't really matter, but, um, you know, yeah, it was, it wasn't too bad. You know, we, we, we did a couple of production works, but live gigs, I, I haven't, you know, 2021, we picked up with the Doobie Brothers um, mm -hmm. in in July of 2021. Um, and we actually did, you know, went out on the road till October, till the end of October. But in the, in, in the very beginning of that run, three of our guys were exposed to COVID. So we had to shut it down for a month and a half. I mean, a, a week and a half. A week and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, pretty, you know, pretty crazy out there. But yeah. Luckily, you know, this year we were able to, you know, well, 2021, we were able to at least play some live music again. It was yeah. a year and a half of, of no music for me, um, which was kind of, kind of strange, you know, because I've been yeah. playing music for such a long time and being on the road for such a long time that a year and a half without getting on a plane or getting on a bus or getting on stage was so. It's bizarre, surreal. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and speaking of which, too, you say you've been playing music for a really long time and it has been a really long time because you started playing when you were like really, really young. Was it like three years old or, or something I, I like started, that? I started banging on drums according to my parents when I was three years old, mm -hmm. maybe younger than that, but really like gravitating because, you know, my dad, my dad is a percussionist. 
and his brother, my uncle, was a, was a percussionist because he's now deceased. But um, you know, and in my in my house, there were drums out in every corner of the house. My dad had hand drums everywhere, so I would get up in the morning and just go to a drum and start banging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it just it seemed kind of a natural thing for me. Um, yeah, and so you know, fast forward fifty somewhat years, you know, I'm still playing music. I love it. Yeah. And and did you um did you take formal lessons when you were younger as well? I did not. You know, nobody wants to believe me when I say that I didn't ever studied rudiments and I'm and I'm and I've never been like a shed head. You know, I've right, never right. had the discipline because I've been playing you know, like I, I my first perfect professional gig was at nine years old at Carnegie Hall in a Latin opera that was produced by a guy named Larry Harlow. Um, it was loosely based on, you know, the Who's um, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a Latin version and it was just music. Oh. There was no acting. It was just narrated and playing of music, like symphonic. There was a symphony orchestra, you know, with all Latin and then, you know, like, Latin percussionist and everything, horns. Um, it was really, really, really amazing production. It sounds incredible. And, yeah. So you know, I've been I've been playing gigs since, since I was a kid. So to me, that's the best form of, of practice. Right. You know, because just... you could you could sit at home and practice, 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 but everything changes when you're on the stage, and you know anything can happen at any given moment. So you, you have to be prepared for that. So the best education that I had was being on gigs you know, at an early age. That's amazing. And and did you actually teach yourself to to read music then? Because you Well you do no, that that came about um when I went into high school, I was trying to get into music and art. Um, mm-hmm. but I was already in the ninth grade and at music and art you can only get in going into your first year of high school. Gotcha. And in New York, there were certain schools that started high school from 9 to 12, and some that started from 10 to, to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And so I was already in the ninth grade, and they, they wouldn't give me an audition at music and, music and art. So um, once I get to the music program at my high school, all the drum chairs were full filled. Right. <laughs> so, so they were like, look, if you want to be in, in, in the music department, you have to choose an instrument. So I was like, all right, give me the trumpet. <laughs> Oh, wow. Not, not knowing anything about trumpet, really, you know, but mm-hmm. somehow I, I was able, you know, like I, I had a great sound and, you know, I had to learn how to read music in order to play in the band. So yeah, I re- literally learned how to read music in my high school year, years, because I played throughout my whole high school. You know, once I started playing, I really enjoyed it. So for the four years I was in high school, I played trumpet in school. I love that. I had no idea. All these hidden yeah. talents. <laughs> well, I haven't still, played a trumpet. Still... I haven't played a trumpet since. No, no, no. Okay, that was I don't, I don't even own question. one anymore. You yeah, don't no, own no, one. No, I, no, no. I mean, you know, I bet. I bet if you it's too bad I up. gave it up. Right. But, I. Yeah, I could. Pro- I, I could probably get a sound out of it. You know, I, you I still know. You know, the the right position and everything. But um, yeah, no, I don't even That's own amazing. one. I don't even own a mouthpiece anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm really grateful for that opportunity because it allowed me to learn how to read music, which really, you know, enhanced my recording 
you know, status in New York City. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. It was yes. a positive thing. Yes. And, and speaking of New York City, so you were born and grew up in the Bronx, right? And Born and raised. Born and raised. And how did that um, play a part in like your musical journey? What what were you, were, you, were well, you surrounded by Latin music as a kid? And like, what did you grow up listening to? My household was an eclectic, you know, mixture of music. Like my dad was, you know, salsa music, Cuban music. My mother was Frank Sinatra, Engelbert Humperdinck, you know, <laughs> Love Andy it. Williams, Tony Bennett, that was her thing. And then my sister, who's a couple years older than me, was into the R&B stuff. So, you know, in my house, you would hear any style of music played at any given moment. So I was exposed to a lot of music. But at the same token, because my dad and my uncle, you know, are percussionists, you know, I grew up in a house that, you know, anyone that knows Latin musicians, percussionists, you know, like, Jerry Gonzalez, uh, Milton Cardona, Frankie Malave, you know, all these people used to come to my house and jam with my father and my uncle. Or we'd go out to a park, take our drums, and, and you know, everybody would, on the weekends, it was, mm -hmm. every weekend there was a jam session, whether it was in my house or in another location, we were getting in a car and going, you know, to play drums somewhere every weekend, That's including amazing. Central Park. So, wow. you know, my formative years were, were, I was surrounded by some amazing percussionists that had a lot of influence in, you know, on me, including, you know, especially my dad and my uncle. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I can like, I, it, it, it's like I'm imagining a scene from a movie kind of thing, like a jam in Central and, Park. <laughs> and because I'm, you know, I'm, you know. A, a 60s baby, you know, the music scene in New York in the 70s was, you know, I am so fortunate to have grown up in that era because it doesn't exist anymore now. You know, there are no more clubs. There are no more like, you know, multiple Latin bands playing in clubs. Like, you know, we, you could go to a club in the 70s and there were literally four or five different bands playing. And the place was jam-packed, people dancing, having a great time. And, you know, it was the who's who of Latin music at that time. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't exist anymore in New York City because, you know, the landlords have priced all the club owners out of, out of you know, space, club space, right. and realty space. So I, yeah. was, I was really fortunate. That, yeah, that, that does sound like an amazing, like, time growing up and, and forming your 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 musical tastes and your talents and all that stuff too. Um, and then of course you played with the Allman brothers for, we were just talking about this before we started recording, but mm -hmm. 23 years. I spent 23 years. I, I joined the Allman brothers when I was 27 years old, um, wow. which was one of the most amazing, you know, um, things that happened to me both musically and, you know, a lot of other things, you know, I've been exposed to a lot of people, a lot of music because of the mm -hmm. Brothers. like, I didn't really know who they were, you know, before I joined them because growing up, you know, in, in New York, Puerto Rican, you know, in the Bronx, mm -hmm. we didn't listen to rock and roll in my house. You know, like mm -hmm. I said, it was eclectic, but rock and roll wasn't, you know, the closest to, to rock and roll was Santana because it was Latin, Latin based. Right. Right. 
So, you know, like Allman Brothers music and Allman Brothers weren't really radio friendly. Like when I joined the Doobie Brothers, which um, we'll get to that, I -hmm. knew more Doobie Brothers songs than I did Allman Brothers songs because they were radio friendly. Um, You know, Allman Brothers play songs that are 30 minutes long. Nobody wants to play them on the radio unless (laughs) it's an independent radio station, right? That has Mm -hmm. the, you know, the capacity to play a song for 30 minutes. But so, you know, I didn't know who they were. You know, once I joined them, I realized that I was in a band that was, you know, a real important part of the fabric of rock and roll music, of, you know, Americana music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I'm really glad that I fell into that position. Right. And like, and musicianship wise, just mm-hmm. the most incredible musicians, just everyone yeah. involved, just Well, you know, before I joined the Allman Brothers, you know, I did, I spent the year on the road with David Byrne, you know, that, that mm-hmm. was my real exposure to like the other side of music that wasn't Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the music that we played with David was Latin, the production side of it and everything, every venue we played was completely different from anything that I did, you know, on the Latin side of things. Um, you know, we recorded a record called Ray Momo and you know, one of the guys that I mentioned earlier, Milton Cardona was the conga player on it. Jose Mangual was the conga player. Those two guys were very instrumental in Willie Colon's, you know, start in music. They were the mm-hmm. rhythm section in Willie Colon's band in the 60s. And they recorded on this record with, with David Byrne, along with myself and a bunch of other Latin musicians. And so once the recording was done, David was like, you know, since you guys recorded, I'd rather take you on the road. I don't want to have to put a band of people that didn't play the music already. So here we are. And I call it a 17 piece traveling circus because, you know, here you are trying to wrangle all these Latinos, you know, to, yeah. you know, on the road that are not used to being, you know, like this structure, like, like, you know, cause it's a whole different mentality in, in, mm-hmm. in, in the American, you know, in the, in, in the Anglo market of music than it is in the salsa side you know salsa's everybody's free-spirited you know having a great old time and here it's like do we got to be downstairs at lobby hall at seven o'clock we got a, a bus to catch the airport or we got a plane you know whatever and mm-hmm. it was like wrangling all these guys man it was just pretty hysterical man <laughs> <laughs> but that was my real exposure to like the other side of music and then you know after that you know i, I joined spire Jaira. Mm-hmm. And I spent the year with them, with Richie Morales playing drums, which was amazing. Yes. You know, my, 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 you know, one of my oldest friends, Oscar Cartaya, who was the bass player in Spire And he actually called me for a recording. And after I finished recording, Jay Beckenstein, you know, said, you know, would you want to go on the road with us, you know, this summer? And I was like, sure. You know, like, mm-hmm. it just, it, it, you know, it just kind of organically happened. I went, you know, I, the studio work and then you know next thing you know i'm on the road with spire gyro which is what led to the allman brothers because butch trucks was a huge spire gyro fan and i was playing in his hometown at the time in tallahassee and he was in the audience with his wife he bought tickets oh, to come wow because he he's a spire gyro fan and he, you know so after the show our manager you know comes to me and he says mark there's a butch trucks from the allman brothers that wants to meet you and i'm like I don't know who Butch Trucks is, and I don't know who the Allman Brothers are. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, 
I mean, it was true. I, I, yeah. I had no idea. So, you know, he comes backstage and this is after the show. Everybody's in the dressing room, either eating, just relaxing. And Butch, you know, from all those years of playing, you know, in front of the guitar stacks, had a lot of hearing loss. So he mm-hmm. used to talk really, really loud. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew Butch trucks. Yes, yes. You know how loud he spoke. Yes. So he comes, he comes, you know, backstage and he's like, and I'm going to use a little profanity because this, I'm going to do it in the voice of Butch trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes backstage and he goes, you were fucking amazing. You were the fucking show. My, and I'm like, and I'm looking at him like, who is this guy? Who's like, and I'm like, you know, red faced, you know, like, because he's, you know, talking to me, but everybody mm-hmm. can hear him. Oh my God. I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal you from this band. Uh- and I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what, what, what is happening right now? Oh my <laughs> gosh. So, so, you know, he's like, give me your telephone number. And so I'm like, all right, here you go. You know, and that, you know. 1990 i don't even know if there were cell phones then i don't i don't think there were i don't think so i can't i can't, I can't, I can't remember that far back when it comes no. to phones because because you know cell phones are a part of our life now right so i exactly. can't remember you know the the timeline so i don't really think anything of it i'm like you know i'm like all shell shocked with, with with everything because you know here's this guy like you know so loud and i'm like shit, what you know what what just happened right yeah. So like two two months pass by and I get a phone call from him and he goes, Mark, put trucks. We're in Memphis recording a record. I want you to come down and lay down some percussion. Are you available? He's like, sure. So they fly me to Memphis. I'm there for five days. I don't know who anybody is except for Greg, you know, because of his mm-hmm. relationship with Cher and, you know, his his soul, you know, like he had a lot more airtime sure. than the rest of the guys in the game. So I go and I record go home. I don't really think anything about it. A couple months go by, phone rings. Mark, what's up? <laughs> we just finished mixing the record and the stuff you played was amazing, man. We're going to Europe in two months to promote the record. You know, we'd love for you to go with us. Are you available? And at that point, you know, I, I, I wasn't inspired to anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm available. He goes, we don't have a lot of money to pay you because this was 1990, like the end of 1990 going into 91. Mm-hmm. And they had just gotten back together in 89 for their 20th anniversary. Because mm-hmm. in the 80s, right. they didn't really play much because of, you know, the music, the music culture had changed a little bit in the 80s. From right, what they were doing. exactly. And they were a group that was true to their music. They weren't trying to, you know, go with, with the fads, you know, mm-hmm. they were true to their, you know, jam music and their style. Of yes. Music. So they had only been back together for a year and a half. And he's like, we don't have a lot of money to pay you. And we don't even know if it's going to work because, you know, it, it was him and Jay on drums mm-hmm. and I was going to be the third wheel. So, yeah. you know, they were like, we don't know if it's going to work live because we've never had a percussionist in the band, but we want you to go on the road with us. And I'd go to Europe with them and I never left 23 years. There was no audition. There was nothing. It was, it, it was organically done from a re- recording to, you know, being invited to go on the road. And then, you know, I set up my tent and never left. I became, so a, uh, I became a, uh, what do you call it? Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I, I, I can't think of it right now, but, uh, you know, where, where I, I set up, my, you know, I moved in and I never moved out. <laughs> yes, exactly. I like, I'm glad that that happened because, yeah. you know, I, I, I grew up listening to the Allman Brothers and I'm really glad that they didn't go with the 80s trend because I can't even imagine what that would have sounded like. It's not, right. you know, it just doesn't work. Um, but I, but when I started going to shows, that was the era when you were in the band and it, it just, mm -hmm. I can't imagine not having you there. It was, it just, you lent so much to the sound and the show <laughs> and the three of you together. It was just so good. You just worked. It just, it was just well, perfect. You know, I really, I really think, you know, what, what makes me feel good about my time in the Allman brothers is mm -hmm. that when I, you know, especially back then when I was still like, new in the band you know a lot of like the diehard fans would come up to me and say you know we really like the old stuff but we can't listen to it because your sound is not on it wow. you know what i mean so which meant that i i, I actually added something to the music that yeah. you know because there's some people that are like oh i don't want to hear that shit. i just want to hear the original stuff right you know, it's not right. the same yeah you know this was the total opposite they were like you know we love it but, you know, because we don't hear your element in there, you know, we'd rather hear the current, you know, version with you on it. Yeah. And to me, that's like, you know, that makes me feel good that I, that I did my sure. job. And, yes. and, you know, I tell, I tell people that I think my, you know, years in salsa bands where, you know, there's either two percussionists or three percussionists, everybody's got a role to play, right? So mm -hmm. for me, as a percussionist, I didn't go in there thinking, I'll just play this. No, like in the first couple of rehearsals, I wouldn't play anything. Mm -hmm. I would just sit back and listen to see where I've, you know, I could fit in. fit in. Yeah. And Dickie Betts would turn around and be like, hey, Mark, are you not going to play? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play, but I have to hear where I'm going to play. You know what I, I mean? That. And there were certain songs, there were certain songs that I would just be like, I'm not going to add anything to this. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit this one out. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and it wasn't for, you know, to be lazy. It was just that the music was dictating, you know, what I was, what I needed to do. Yeah. There were certain songs that just didn't need me in it. You I know what I mean? It. And not that, not that all of them needed me. Right. Because they played 20 years without me. Right. Mm -hmm. But there were certain songs that my, my rhythm at, you know, kind of enhanced the rhythms that Jamo and Butch were playing. And then mm -hmm. there were some where it was like, that's enough rhythm in this. It doesn't yes. need anymore, you know? And so, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a good time. I enjoyed my that's time a, with the Allman Brothers. I'm, I'm really grateful for my time with the Allman Brothers. And I'm grateful to Butch Trucks, you know, who's no longer with us, man. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I'm really grateful for him having the, you know, the foresight to, you know, see that, you know, I could, you know, be a part of this institution. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I'm really grateful for him. That's amazing. And I, I feel like there are some lessons in there, you know, where you're, you, you really served the music. You didn't come into a situation and play all over everything. Like you right. listened and you took your time and you figured out where the percussion parts were best served um, in the music. And I love that. I think that's, that's an important thing for anyone in a new situation to do, I think, is spend the time I, to observe and listen. Right? Yeah, I, I, I always feel like, you know, sometimes we 
percussionist, right? I say percussionist because there are people that say they're percussionist that don't really play the instruments to their full capacity. Or there are some that think that they have to play everything that's in their setup in one song. And it's like, no, sure. you know, it's like, you know, as a percussionist, you should also be a musician and musical, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And 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 play, you know, less, you can't stress the fact that less is always, you know, less is more, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the song is going to dictate what it needs. So take a moment and listen to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you know, I, I, I tell the story to everybody, it, you know, I was having a conversation with Ralph McDonald, who, you know, amazing percussionist, right? Yes. He shows up, he shows up to a studio with two congas and a duffel bag, you know, full of like minor percussion stuff. Mm -hmm. And the producer's like, Ralph, where's the rest of your stuff? And he looks at the guy and goes, if it's not in this bag, the song doesn't need it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. So, you know, he didn't have to show up with a boatload of stuff, right? I mean, yeah, you can add a lot of things, a lot of colors and things to songs. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Absolutely. So, you know, it's like I, I, I'm always of the mindset that, you know, the song is going gonna, is gonna to dictate what it needs. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I play, I play, I play for the music, not for myself. And right. that's always been my, my, my thing, you know, and I think that's why I've, I've been able to work so much is that people know that, you know, um, I, you know, and I don't, I don't want, I don't want to sound like kind of full of shit about myself, but I, you know, I'm very musical when I play, right. I play for the music. I don't, you mm -hmm. know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to showcase myself. You know, right. I don't, I don't, I don't play music for, you know, for acknowledgement, for accolades, for anything. I play music because I love music. I have a passion for it and I have a lot of respect for it. And so, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I try to give it, you know, the best that I can and what it's asking me for. Absolutely. And I think that's when you kind of transcend to, where you are, your status in the industry is like a, a, you know, you're a master at your craft. And it has a lot to do with the fact that you're doing it for the right reasons. You're creating for the right reasons. You're letting the music kind of like guide you where you need to go. That's always my favorite when I can see in someone that this is like just passion coming out of them at every, at every angle. Well, so I, um, I also feel like the music chose me, you know, like mm -hmm. I didn't really choose to be a musician. Right. It just happened. Right. You know, like growing up, you know, my dad worked a job and played music on the weekends. And I thought, you know, that was going to be me as well. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, I only grew up in a salsa music household. Right. You know, I never thought that I could play in a band like the Allman Brothers, that I could play in a band like the Doobie Brothers. Inspired, you know, like that stuff to me was so alien you yes. know, as a kid. Right. And, yeah. you know, there are people that, you know, and I, and I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't discourage anybody from, you know, having aspirations and dreams. Right. Mm -hmm. But I never really saw past what my, my dad was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's where I grew up. I didn't really say, I want to be a musician. No, the music 
kind of you know just grabbed me by the by the shirt and pulled me in mm-hmm. <laughs> and here i am you know like you know here i am and so you know with that being said you know i am grateful to the music and i give the music what i can you know to the best of my ability i love that I love it. And you mentioned the Doobie Brothers. And so it's just amazing that, you know, from the Allman Brothers to the Doobie Brothers, and it's, you know, you mentioned how they had more radio play Mm -hmm. because they had, you know, their songs aren't like the 30 minute um, long songs that which which I always appreciated about Almond Brothers, but like with Doobie Brothers, it's more like digestible, <laughs> you know, yeah. more, and, more and great songs. Doobie friendly. Brothers, the Doobie yeah. Brothers have some amazing songs. Um, yes. You know, yeah. that, you know, like when I'm playing them, I, I, I kind of look around and, and I'm, is this really happening? You know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, like Blackwater, listen to the music, taking it yes. to the streets. Like those songs were all radio songs that I heard on the radio when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, shit man i'm i'm actually on stage with the doobie brothers you know and i'm like again grateful you know how you know that 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 i'm i'm afforded this opportunity you know what i mean like it's and when i you know when i first joined the doobie brothers i thought i, I thought to myself man allman brothers just celebrated 50 years doobie brothers in 2020 was their 50th anniversary as well like i'm in I'm playing in two bands that are the the fabric of mm. rock and roll music, American mm-hmm. music. I'm like, shit, how lucky am I, man? It's you know pretty, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty pretty amazing to to think that you know this kid from from the Bronx winds up in two of rock, you know, like two iconic rock and roll bands. Right. You know, for lack for lack of a better term, I, you know, I, you know. Every everybody's interpretation of, of bands and how they see people are, are is different. I think Dewey's and Allman Brothers are two iconic bands in in rock and roll history, mm-hmm. and and they're both now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I play in both of these bands, so I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, <laughs> it's pretty special. It is special. It's so special. I remember you telling me that you were um, joining the Dewey Brothers, and I was like, it's perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> Uh, it, it just was. And again, and, it, and again, it's like one of these organic things because, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in the Allman Brothers, we did shows with the Doobies. So I've known these guys for a mm-hmm. long time. When I was, you know, once the Allman Brothers stopped working, I joined Greg Allman's band, solo band, until he passed away. Mm-hmm. And we did shows with the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they had two drummers. They let go of one of the drummers. And when I was, when we did shows with them, with greg ed was the sole drummer at that point okay right and they thought about you know replacing the drummer but then tommy johnson said you know what our music has percussion you know mm-hmm. why don't we reach out to mark and actually they reached out to me through call perrazzo who's santana's percussionist because they're all from the bay area they all know each other and so they called carl and they were like listen you know could you reach out to Mark and let him know that we want to talk to him? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's how that came about. And, you know, here I am three years into my tenure with the Doobie Brothers. And, you know, it's been, it's pretty amazing. Like I said, to, to play in a band that I, you know, that I grew up listening to on the radio. Like I said, I knew more of their songs than the Allman Brothers songs. So. Yes. That's amazing. And, 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 the, and like, you know, in 2021, we did, you know, 2020 was their 50th anniversary. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, 2021, 
we did the shows that we couldn't do in 2020, which included Michael McDonald, which was which is another like you know, Michael McDonald's voice to me is another one of these, you know, iconic voices. Mm-hmm. You know, like you exactly. hear he opens his mouth and you know it's Michael McDonald. You know, it's one of yes. these voices that, you know, and I'm and you know I ride on the same bus with Michael and with Pat Simmons and John McPhee. And at Toad, you know, that that's that's my bus. And so it's 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 weird, you know, you're sitting in the lounge talking, you know, having like like the conversation that you and I are having right now with Mike McDonald and Pat Simmons. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, wait a minute, these are the doobie brothers. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then you think like, is this my life? You know? <laughs> right, right. Right. How lucky am I? How lucky am right. I? Right. I love that. I, I, I don't take any of it for granted. You know, even mm-hmm. though I've done this for a long time, to me, I still, I, I'm still really appreciative, appreciative of the fact that, you know, that I get to do this and that I get yeah. to do it on this level and with, with, you know, musicians, because, you know, they've been nothing but great to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They've, they've embraced me and, you know, I'm really appreciative of that. You know, that, you know what I'm saying? There's people that, that feel like they belong there. And maybe mm-hmm. I do belong there. I don't know, but I don't look at it that way. I feel like, you know, I'm lucky to be there. Yeah. Even even at this even at this stage of my career, I'm still lucky to be there. I love that attitude. That that makes you always appreciative of what you have, and mm-hmm. I think that's important. That's an important um, attitude to have. Um, and I also like thinking about your time playing with both bands and and in particular with Almond Brothers, the people that would come up and and play at every show or guest or sit in mm-hmm. um, all the all all the different shows you played. I mean, there must have been some um, all, all of them are amazing, but there must have been some times where you're like, what am I doing playing with this person or what do you I mean, does anything stand out to you? I mean, you know, when we did our 40th anniversary with the with the uh, Allman Brothers, Eric Clapton came and played two nights with us. Wow. And I was like, you know, and Eric Clapton has a history with the Allman Brothers. You know, Dwayne Allman played the slide guitar on Layla, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they go back to 1970, 69, 70. Um, and he's always been a fan of the Allman Brothers because of Dwayne Allman. So, mm-hmm. you know... When, you know, we were celebrating, they reached out to him to come and play. And he said yes. And he was the only one that played multiple nights with us. Um, And, you know, like Taj Mahal has played with us. Edgar Winner, you know, like all these Billy Gibbons, you know, all these rock and roll, you know, legends have at one point come and played with us. And even drummers, like J-Mo is, drummer, is friends with so many people that Bernard Purdy has sat in with us. Um, you know, Roy Haynes. It's like the all these people, and I'm like, shit, man, th- this is amazing that I'm, you know, yes. I get to, you know, be on stage with all these, you know, people. Mm. You know, Almond Brothers vibe was so loose. Mm-hmm. Like, doobies are, are pretty structured, which is okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Almond Brothers, like, like when we would go to Boston, you know, like we, Johnny the Christopher would come up and play. You know what I mean? Right. Like Jamo would be like, Johnny, come up and play. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Just pull, pull anybody, you know. Yes. Eggie Castillo, Castillo, who's you know a dear friend of mine and a and a teacher at at Berkeley, he would come to shows and I'd be like, come up and play. You know, like they didn't give us 
they didn't care. Yeah, you know, as long as you could play and you weren't weren't messing things up, they didn't care. The more the merrier, you know. And it was pretty cool, you know. Like I exposed a lot of people to that stage. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. I do remember hiding. I remember like. <laughs> yeah, you might you might have gotten you might have gotten pulled up there as well. You know, I was hiding because you did say that you're like, yeah, you're going up on that stage and you're gonna play. And yeah. I'm like, right. <laughs> I'm gonna hide back here as much as I love. You know, Love, yeah, love but, the but now, you, now you're thinking back and going, shit, man, that was my opportunity to get up on well, play with the umbrellas. I don't know. I don't know, though. I, I, and, and I know it's loose and everything, but I'm thinking, like, I'm going to mess something up. I don't know. But the vibe was always the vibe was always so much fun. So much fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I, can, I can remember standing on the side of the stage and just, you know, you're all having a blast up there and always turning and looking and smiling and happy and um yeah it's just Look, the, if, the if you can't if you can't be happy and smile while you're playing music there's a problem you're probably in the wrong business i agree because music music you know music is what feeds everybody's soul regardless of the genre you know everybody you know music has a way of you know like making people happy you know, Absolutely. whenever whenever something bad in this world happens, people go out in droves to hear music because it's an escape, mm -hmm. and you know it helps heal people. And so, you know, if you're not smiling on stage while you're playing, there's an issue, man. Yes. You're in the wrong yes. place, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and if you think about like what got us through the past two years, even though this industry has struggled so much and it's been really, really difficult, but music is still being made. Music is still being released. Shows are still being played as much as possible. People are collaborating over zoom, over sending each other files. And I think it's been healing for so many people to not only continue making music, but to listen to music, um, get that, get that out there get their creative you know creativity Even out this, there. this kind of this kind of dialogue has really you know helped a lot of people um because i'm, I'm not one I, I don't really like to do interviews mm -hmm. i'm just that that guy you know i don't really have a lot to say i don't think anyways <laughs> but you know i found myself being invited to do a lot of chats with people during the pandemic because and and you know looking back you know like it heals people too because it's like you know people that are you know like fans of mine um you know get to hear you know anecdotes stories mm -hmm. whatever you know that they would not otherwise hear if it wasn't for you know having to do things like this during the pandemic people wouldn't know much about each other right you know yeah I mean, you know there's another side of this that we won't talk about right <laughs> You know, yes. people becoming, yep. you know, social media, you know, stars, right? Right. Know, but... right, right, right. <laughs> I know. It's a, you yeah, know, it's... these kind of conversations developed during the pandemic. You know what I mean? So, yes. you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's had its good things. You know, the pandemic, although it's, it's, it's brought a lot of, you know, destruction to, to, to this world um, and a lot of loss, you know, it's, it, 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 it also has had some, you know, positive, things that, that have come out of it yeah so. yeah well, one of the things that i that i've mentioned before is um perspective i think it's given 
it's given every everyone a different perspective on what's important, what is necessary, um, what relationships, you know, um, personal work, all of that. Your even even your relationship with yourself, you know, like mm -hmm. the, a lot of people being isolated and and working through that. I think it's given a different perspective and and maybe maybe shown people what is important what is worth time and what is not those kind of things um well with with the loss of, of you know with the loss of a lot of people due to you know covid and stuff like that you know it it has helped a lot of people be reflective and be a little more compassionate about the other mm -hmm. um you know and you know it you know, I had a lot of friends that were, you know, especially in the beginning, Bobby Allende, like, you know, April of 2020 was really, really sick mm -hmm. um, due to COVID. You know, a couple of my friends that are in the music. And so, you know, you're, you find yourself reaching out to people, checking up on people that, you know, under normal circumstances, you don't really do, right? Yeah. Because you're busy doing so many other things. But you know, being isolated at home and hearing about a friend, you, you know, you're checking up on people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it, it has had that effect on people as well, where, you, you know, you, you, you feel a little more compassionate about other people. Um, yeah. Yes. So, again, even, even though COVID has been a negative aspect and it, for a lot of things, it has had some positive effect on people, I, yes. I think. Yeah, I, I, I do think so, too. Um, and... I mean, so, look what it did to you. You're, you're, you're a host now. This is spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, Sarah, I the host. Knew. Who knew? <laughs> um, no, this has been, this has been so much fun. And, and also it's been a way to keep up with everybody, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and make sure that, you know, I'm bringing a little bit of the personal side of the musician to, to mm -hmm. everyone, which I think you just touched on. It's, the social media thing has brought people a little bit closer to who the personality behind the music is. And that right. to me, that to me is really important. So, but yes, things so much has changed for me throughout the pandemic as well. And it's we, just, we been, have, we have a long, we have a long history, you and I. Yes, we do. We absolutely Th do. Thanks, thanks to Zildjian, right? Yes, but, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, we were talking about this earlier, Sarah, you know, I have, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, you know, being, being, you know, being the head of, a, of, you know, artist relations at Zildjian for, for the years that you were there, you know, to be a woman again, you know, I feel like there aren't enough women like yourself in this business, um, in any business. And you really, you know, were an instrumental part with, for keeping everybody happy at that company. So, you know, you, you are sorely missed. You are sorely missed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but we, look, you know, look what it's done, you know, for you. You know, you, you've you taken on, you know, another career. And so, you know, things are, I'm, yes. I'm happy to see you, see you thriving. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for the kind words. I, um, you know, I absolutely loved my time working with you all. And one of my favorite things was, um, you know, just talking product with you, picking symbols, and you have, um, you created the El Sonido symbol at Zildjian, which was just incredible. Which, uh, I was, which I was proud of, you know, I don't think there was, there was or still is a, a symbol that has the characters 
that you know that symbol has mm-hmm. um unfortunately yes. you know they discontinued it so you know uh i'll see if i can you know come up with something else because i like yes. creating you know product that is non-existent you know like you know we, we were speaking about this off camera that you know the dipstick that um zildjian has you know my stick was the first one of that you know of that model that had the you know the rubber grip on it mm-hmm. um and so you know I've, I've i've developed a couple things that have never been on the market before with with zildjian and with pearl um and so right. you know i'm gonna see i'm gonna see what i can come up with next I know there are more ideas in there for sure, because again, like with the music where you are, you're serving the music and your, and your musical parts really like fit the, the needs of the music. I know product wise, the things you've created with the companies in the past have always been something that was really needed, something that was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that symbol in particular, fantastic. It had, uh, you know, it was crashable, but it had like a clear bell, and because well, the you bell, know, it, ha- it, ha- it has four sounds in it. You know, yes, like, the, yeah. The, the, the idea really arose because, again, being a salsa musician, you know, some of these clubs don't have a big enough stage where you can put two cymbals up. Mm-hmm. And if you have a ride cymbal, you know, you don't really have a crash effect on it. If you mm-hmm. have a crash cymbal, you don't have a ride effect on it. So I was right. like, you know, I had gotten an earth symbol from Zildjian that has earth the earth symbol I think has one of the most amazing bells on it yes it and does I was like, yes I'm, I, I, I was thinking to myself how could I get a bell like this on a, on a 16 or because you know one of my favorite symbols that I had for years was a platinum 16 inch symbol that just the sound mm-hmm. was so beautiful but it had a bell like you know the size of an, a pencil eraser on it you couldn't you couldn't get a sound out of it sure. so I'm thinking to myself, I want a symbol that sounds like the 16-inch, you know, platinum. So, you know, Paul Francis and I went, you know, went into the lab over there and started trying. Yes. You know, I was like, I need a bell that sounds like this, but I also need these kind of characters. And, you know, the brilliant mind of Paul Francis, you know, he was able to put together all these elements. So, you know, it had the mm-hmm. bell, it had the lathe. It had the unlathed and then it had the crash effect. And so it's like, you know, the symbol was so, when it first came out, people were like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Um, So, you know, again, for reasons unknown, you know, mostly business related, but for reasons unknown, you know, it's been discontinued. But, you know, hopefully we can reach a, you know, a happy accord and yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, so, like I said, you've got you you've got more in there for sure. And you know, I look forward to seeing what you do next um, mm-hmm. with products and and musically. Are you are there any dates? I know things have been you know I don't know about things with the doobies, but but have been being pushed a little bit. How are you guys doing as far as scheduling tour? Well, dates? we we have we have on the books right now. Um, to start rehearsing at the end of April for a residency in Vegas for three weeks. Oh, that's Zapp- great. At the Zappos Theater in Vegas. Um, you know, but, you know, with, with things the way they are still, you know, we're hoping that it doesn't change because we were able to work, you know, in mm-hmm. 2021. 
mm-hmm. you know, from here to April, we don't know what's going to happen. We're hopeful right. that, you know, nothing changes and that we're able to go out again. But then after that, we have a summer run from June through October, November, something like that. Okay. You know, we have to make up, we have to make up East Coast states that were scheduled for 2020 that for June of 2020 that because we started in July of 21, mm-hmm. those East Coast dates never got done. So, right. you know, New York, you know, Florida, Massachusetts, you know, every, everything up, 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 up and down the East Coast border, um, you know, we're supposed to go out in June and, and do that. But again, we just have to wait, wait you know, it's one of these waiting games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, well, my hopefully fingers are I, I, hopefully I'll, I'll, you know, we'll continue to work and I'm, you know, you know, my, my, you know, I do production work with Bobby Allende in New York, but I also do production work down here with Tony Sukar and he just had baby, you know, a week ago, a week and a half ago. And so, you know, he's, he's got his hands full right now, but we've got, you know, a couple of things on the, on, on the back burner waiting, you know, to work on, which, you know, I got to, He's got to acclimate himself to hit to to a new family now. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Congratulations to Tony. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, we you know we brought him on board to Zildjian last year, so he's he's now a Zildjian artist, um, and so you know we're gonna, you know we're planning on doing some other things. Um, you know we've got we got a lot of things pending. But Good. We gotta wait till he, you know, finishes his big duties. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's important too, right? That's for great, sure, though. For sure. That's so great. I'm I'm so excited. There's a bunch of stuff on the horizon, and you know, I really, really am hoping that the next few months bring some changes with <laughs> with the pandemic, and we get out of this situation. Everyone can get back on the road, and then I'll see you guys if you come through yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, and- I, I I don't think I don't think. You know, everything's going to get shut down again. We just can't afford to do that anymore. It's right. just, you know, how do you, how do you go about doing live shows and protecting people, right? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the biggest challenge, you know, like protecting, you know, um, you know, the people that come to the shows and also the protecting our, our band and crew. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, in the beginning, you know, we, we thought, we thought we were in a really nice isolated bubble. And then, you know, three of the guys in the band get, you know, test positive with COVID. And so it's like, you know, what do we have to do? Do we literally have to, you know, walk around in bubble suits to not expose ourselves to anybody, right? It's, you know, know. so we have, you know, we have to, we have to figure out how to go about this in a safe, you know, um, manner where, you know, people don't come to a show and leave sick. You know what I mean? Right, right. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. So what is the protocol? to move forward, to be able to keep playing and keep bringing, you know, music, live music to the masses. Right. So, yeah, I just wish people were a little more, you know, responsible. Um, You know, people have the right to do whatever they want and choose to do whatever they want when it comes to vaccines or quarantines or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, we have to take everybody into consideration. It's not just about an individual. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Because what yeah. you do affects a lot of other people. Yeah. You know, what you choose to do affects a lot of other people. Yeah. And so, like I said, I, I, you know, I can't tell someone what to do. You know what I mean? But I would hope that people would do the right thing. Yeah, always. 
or, you know, being in the music industry, we want to get things moving again. It's Mm -hmm. better for all of us collectively to get things moving again. And so I've always said since the beginning of this, whatever it takes to make that happen, whatever, whatever it takes, like whatever regulations need to happen surrounding touring or, you know, not seeing people backstage. Like if, if I came to a show in Boston and I wasn't able to see you guys because you're in a bubble, 100% okay. I will wave to you from a distance. I will text you and say great show instead of seeing you afterward. Happy to just be there um, witnessing live music. But but yeah, so I, 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 I was going to say that, you know, like, you know, when, when, when the doobies decided to go out, you know, they, you couldn't come out if you weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we we lost a lot of people in our crew that decided that they didn't want to be vaccinated. So, right. you know, you you know, again, they have the right to choose that. For sure. Yes. And I and I also think being in this industry, you and I know a lot of people who have been very, very sick, have had long term health effects from being sick with covid and have have died. Um, you know, too many people because because we're because we have, you know, this, this friendship base that kind of stretches across the world and excuse me, across the industry. So it's, it's hard to hear people say like, oh, it's not a thing or it's not that bad, or it's just a cold or the flu. And, you know, when, and having people that we've loved and cared about who haven't made it through it. Um, So we have a little bit of a, a different perspective, I think. And when we say like, you know, do the responsible thing. Like we don't want to lose anybody else. It's we don't. Yes, you know, it is. Yes, it is what it is. <laughs> right. I'm not a. I'm not a politician. I'm a musician. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I want. I want yeah. more music, less hate. Man, come on. There now. we go. Yes, we do. We want more that, music. That's less my hate. motto. I love that. That's that's love my it. motto right there. Come on. Now. I love it. Are you selling those shirts? No, I wish this is a. This is made by by a, a designer. Okay. We'll have yeah, to... but this is my motto. I found this shirt and I'm like, you know, this is going to be my message, you know, because, it, you know, okay. music, music has a way of, of bridging a lot of differences in people. You know what I mean? Yes, it does. Racially, yeah. racially, whatever, you know, politically, you know, music brings all kinds together mm-hmm. and it has a way of, 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 you know, bringing people together and, yeah. and making things right, making things comfortable for people. I love it. So it's so more true. More music, just hate. Less hate. That's I it. love it. That's, that'll be the theme of the day today. I'll take that, carry that with mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much, Mark. It's been so amazing catching up with you. And um, I'll look forward to seeing you getting back out there in the touring life. Well, and <laughs> we Thank will, you for uh, the invitation. Um, you know, Absolutely. I think it was a long time in coming because, you know, we haven't really spoken. We haven't caught up the way we did today on and off camera. Um, yes. Again, I will say it again. You know, I miss you dearly in the company. Um, but I'm glad that we're still friends and we still communicate. And Absolutely. that, you know, things, things are, you know, in a better place for you. Um, because, again... You know, I know it wasn't an easy transition for you. So, you know, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to see that beautiful smile. Thank you. Um, you, you were always a breath of fresh air at Zildjian. Thank you. Um, and again, you took care of everybody that came through that door or that called you. So, you know, you're Absolutely. dearly missed. 
no, by my me gosh. anyways. I can't speak for everybody else, but <laughs> me personally, because I'm still there. You know. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. And I loved yeah. I loved every minute of it. And, you know, it's my pleasure to to be there for you all for so long. And I'm happy I can still be there kind of like, you know, spreading the word and being uh, being present in this industry. I love love you all love drums, music. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm really happy. So thank you so much. Well, again, thank you so much, and and I'm glad to see you healthy, happy, and your family's healthy as well. Thank goodness. Absolutely. And that everything is, uh, you know, everything is thriving for you right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, and for you too. And again, I just can't wait to hear some more music, see you playing out there. Um, I love that. And when I, when I when I come through New England, I will definitely let you know so that you can come to the show with your family or by yourself. Absolutely. However, yes. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be you know a time where I can see you and give you a hug, a proper hug, since I haven't I seen you in forever. I know. I know. No more air hugs. We do so many air hugs yeah. lately. You know? What a real hug. <laughs> you know. You know. Uh, we'll 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 take music however we can take it right now, right? Yes. So if, if I can't hug you, at least you can see. You know, you can enjoy the music from from a distance. But hopefully, hopefully by that point, you know, we'll be able to. Hug. Yeah, just give each other a nice squeeze. I'm looking forward to that. But what you can do is give your family a hug for me. I you can hug that. your family for me. Absolutely, I will do that. Thank you, Mark. Right. And we will talk soon for sure. All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for the invitation. Right. And much welcome. success in everything that you do. And same to you. Thank you. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.